Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness to pray and to rest before he began his public ministry. This year during Lent, join Pastor Hook to pray and rest as we learn about our calling to be a life-changing connection to Christ in our world. This is episode three of A Life-Changing Connection, and this is a topical Bible study that looks at the mission and vision of our church and spends some time just digging into that a little bit. And thank you for joining me. And so today I want to talk about our mission and our vision a little bit. The mission of Christ Lutheran Vale is making loving disciples. And our vision is be a life-changing connection to Christ in our world. I'd like to spend a little bit of time this morning talking about what it means to be or to make loving disciples. And in order to do that, I want to just talk about what Jesus said in the last chapter of Matthew when he came to his disciples and he said, okay, this is what it's all about. We're going to make loving disciples. And this is what Jesus said. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So this is the Great Commission from Jesus. And you'll notice it has several different parts. He says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Uh, We're not going to actually delve onto that. There's a lot of theological significance to that. We're not going to spend a lot of time on that. He says, therefore, go and make disciples. So this is where the command of making disciples comes from. It comes from Jesus at the end of Matthew. This is the call of the 12 disciples. He called them together and he said, my friends, Of course, at this time, it was just the 11 disciples because Judas was kind of excluding himself or killed himself. He was no longer part of the group. So he said, go make disciples. And how do you do that? By baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe. I usually say teaching them to observe, but you can say obey. The word carries, the Greek word here is observe, obey, follow teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. All right, so that is the command of Jesus, is to go and make disciples. Now, I want to spend a little bit of time on this word, go, because there is a huge debate in the church as to what this word means. Uh... It's from the Greek verb parumai, which means to go, but it's paruthentes. It's an aorist passive participle. It could be interpreted as you go or while you're going. Although many, many Greek scholars will interpret it as an intend- a, a verb of intended circumstances, which means that the, the tense of the verb is the same as the tense of the verb with the main verb of the passage, which is make disciples. So if if the main verb is make disciples, then go has the same as has the same tense as make disciples, which means go. 
But some Greek scholars say, no, it's not really that. It's a, it's a different type of verb, which means while you're going or as you're going. And I don't know if I've had this discussion with you, but the great thing about saying as you're going means that it becomes, it integrates part of your life. That uh, when you wake up in the morning, you, you know, you, uh, you get the kids ready for school, you go off to work, uh, you have a great day at work, you go out to lunch, and then you come home. That like, as you're doing all these things, you make disciples. That it's, it's part of, um, it's part of, you, you've, you've uh, acclimated or brought these things or incorporated these things into your life to making loving, you know, to making disciples. But other scholars say, no, it is the same force as make disciples, which means that this is something you're supposed to do. It's actually very, very missional where you actually get up out of your chair and you intentionally go out into the world to make disciples. It is a loving, intentional thing that you're supposed to do. Now, the other interesting thing about this is that the other two verbs in this passage, baptizing and teaching, these are also the same uh, passive verbs or the the same uh, participle type verbs. So they would also take the same force as as the uh, go. And we, we translate these. We don't say go make disciples, baptize and teach. We say baptizing and teaching. So uh, what does it really, really mean practically? And I think that's what I want to get into uh, just a little bit. And practically, it is this. You could probably look at this in two different ways. One is you may feel called by God that he has called you to actually get up out of your chair and become a very, very, very active missionary that you go and you make disciples. And that is that is something that is primary in your life. You feel called to that. This is what you want to do. They have nothing else that you want to do. If you, if you look at how Jesus did it, right? He went and called his disciples and, and taught them for three years. This is a very, very intentional thing that Jesus did. So you could, you could say, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to be very intentional about it. And I'm going to actually go be a missionary and make a disciple. Or you could look at it as somewhat a little bit more passive, which is I'm just going to incorporate discipleship and making disciples into my life to create disciples in my life. That's another way that you could look at this. The bottom line is it, 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 both are okay. Both are okay because there have been some people that feel very, very called to be a missionary and to go out and do these types of activities very intentionally, and that's the, it consumes their whole entire life. And there are other people that feel as if it's, it's, uh, it's important for them to stay connected to the world. It's important for them to raise a family and have kids and um, have a job and just incorporate discipleship into their life, and they're both okay. That's the important thing is that they're both okay. They're both making disciples, whether or not it's a full-time career for you or whether or not you've incorporated in this into your life. That is okay. Both of them are okay. So um, the, the next question then that I want to talk about is what is a disciple? What actually is a disciple? And that one is quite simple. 
a disciple is somebody that looks like Jesus. This was very, very much what it looked like in the early church at the time of Jesus. There would be people who we would call rabbis who would travel around and they would gather around them a group of people that they called disciples. And they would teach them, they would train them in the rabbi's ways, they would live with the rabbi, they would do the things the rabbi did, and then they would learn. Now, today it's hard for us because today we have a totally separate, different style of education. and We follow what's called the Prussian model in our school system, which means we have a set curriculum of things that we want to teach, and then we bring children into, or bring students, I guess you could say, into those models. And these are the X, Y, Z things that we want to teach. And as they learn one thing, they move on to the next thing, they move on to the next thing, and then they graduate or matriculate from their teaching. That is very much a industrial revolution, Prussian model of how we teach. But Jesus is not that way. There is no graduation for Jesus. You are continuing to learn discipleship from the moment that you begin this journey until the the time that God takes your last breath. There is no graduation from saying, okay, I've got it all down. I understand it completely. So that's one difference from the Prussian model is that we, we don't ever graduate from it. The other difference is the way Jesus did it, which is he found students, And he stayed with them for a period of time, teaching them everything that he wanted to teach them. This is very much like an Aristotelian model, where Aristotle found students, and they actually came and lived with Aristotle, and they learned. Luther did this, too. Luther taught at the seminary in Wittenberg, and he had seminary students. He had disciples of of Luther, And they just didn't show up at 8 o'clock and leave at the end of the school day at 1 o'clock and then go back. I mean, they were very, very much a part of Luther's life. As a matter of fact, some of the best teachings that Luther did were at the evening when they were all kind of having dinner and then the table was cleared away and he brought out the beer (laughs) and, uh, and they sat around just talking theology. And these are all recorded in, a, in several different volumes of Luther called Table Talks. And these are some of the most um, free-flowing, strange discussions, I guess you could say, that Luther talks about because it, it was just living life together. It was, it was enjoying each other. It, it wasn't, these are things the students absolutely looked forward to. Of course, you know, going into, you know, learning and all that sort of thing is, uh, you know, in the seminary where you're learning, Latin, you're learning Greek and all these sort of things. Uh, you know, it's very intensive, very directed type of thing. But at the end of the day, around the table, just talking, it, it, it was a way of learning that people very, very much were attracted to. And so that style of learning is probably more in line with the way that Jesus taught, where Jesus just said, okay, what's going on around us? And then using those as illustrations to launch into a discussion about God or about nature, about life, about the human condition, about sin, about sheeps and goats, about all the different things that that Jesus taught. It was not a Prussian model, but a life experience model where Jesus would 
teach just based upon the, the issues of the day. Which one is right? Well, they're both right. But I think the one that is student-centric, and what I mean by that is the one where it really takes the issues that the student is thinking about would be this, this kind of Jesus model, this table talk model, this life experience model, where Jesus would use an example out in the real world and he would start to teach profoundly about things of the world. So it, it takes a couple things in that instance, right? You have to kind of know a corpus of theology that you can actually go and grab onto something and then teach a lot. You know, they call those teaching moments today, right? Now, the interesting thing about it, our school, our creation school, is that this is something that we very, very much strive to follow. It, there is a, it's a particular philosophy of education where we launch off of the student's interest and we teach based upon that. So if the kids, particularly the early childhood kids, if they get into class and the teacher has, okay, this is what we're going to teach you today, but they go outside and all of a sudden a butterfly alights on something, they might spend the whole entire day talking about butterflies. And from that, they might talk about new life and how do butterflies, uh, you know, where do they come from in the cocoon and how they need to come out of the co cocoon and it pushes blood through their wings so that they can actually fly and all that stuff. And then then even launching from that into a discussion about God and, and how God uses the butterflies at training moment. All these things are probably unique to our school because we are not, most of the school, definitely the public school system follows the Prussian model where it is these are the things you have to learn. But in our school, we're much more, uh, we want to get kids engaged in thinking about the world in a different way. And so we use their thoughts and their ideas and their dreams and what excites them for that day to help launch them into that. And it's very effective because uh, in some schools, the kids, you have to drag them kicking and screaming into school. But in our school, they, they wake up in the morning and they open up their mommy and daddy's eyes early in the morning and say, okay, I'm ready to go to school. It's time. Let's go. Let's go. Because they're so excited to learn because they get to learn what they want to learn. And eventually they learn everything. That's kind of how Jesus did it. But what is it? It's somebody that looks like Jesus. Like a disciple is somebody, the disciples of Jesus were people that spent three years with Jesus and Jesus taught them not only with his words, but his actions. Like what did he do? How did he wake up in the morning? What were the things that he ordered his life in? What were his plans for the day? And then how were those plans disrupted because of something else that happened during that day? Like Jesus may have had an idea, okay, today I think I'm going to teach them about the parable of the sheep and the goats. And so they start walking down and he's thinking about how he's going to talk about this. And all of a sudden he comes across somebody who's blind. Well, when you come across someone that's blind, you put everything else on hold and you deal with the problem that's in front of you. And that's what Jesus did. So he was very much a person who had an idea of what he wanted to teach. But then as he came across life and life happened, he dealt with those things. And then he turned those things into teaching moments. That's kind of what Jesus did. And then at the end of three years, because believe it or not, he was only with his disciples for three years. So what were you doing three years ago? Uh, for me, three years ago would have been 2018. I believe my, my youngest was in college. We were just learning. Jennifer and I were learning how to do empty nest stuff. 
I mean, it really wasn't that long ago. In a, in a three-year period, Jesus taught everything that his disciples needed to do to, to get them to look like him. And that's really what a disciple is. A disciple is somebody who looks like Jesus. And you could do that. You, we could. It would be an interesting project for the Christian church to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to spend three years of our life. We're going to give up our job. We're going to give up our career. We're going to give up all those things. And we're going to spend three years dedicating ourselves to what does it mean to look like Jesus? That's the first three years. And then the next three years, we're going to take those people and they're going to go and do the same thing for three years. Like if I started that today and I started with 12 people and then in three years, those 12 people had another 12 people, that'd be 144 people that learned to look like Jesus. And then, and then the next would be times 12. And you keep doing that. We could probably get to the whole entire, we could do, we could train anything to the whole world. It doesn't even have to be about Jesus. It could just be anything that, you know, how to live in the coronavirus. Let's say one guy really, really understood how to defend ourselves against the coronavirus and he wanted to teach the world. Well, he could, right now, he could do it on the internet and have it out to everybody, right? But if you didn't have the internet, if you didn't have anything of modern technology today, you didn't have the written word. All you have was just a story, how to do it. Well, you'd tell 12 people and then those 12 people tell 12 and we could get the message to the whole entire world within probably 10 generations, right? Uh, I think 12 to the power of 10 probably is in the billions of people. It's probably 50 billion people. So um, we could we could get that message around the world. In in uh, so if it's just a one day thing, uh, we could get that thing launched to the whole entire world in uh, 10 days. For 10 days from now, we could get that whole entire message to the whole world. And maybe that's what Jesus intended, was just to follow him for a period of time and then send that message to the world. But that's what a disciple is, is somebody who just simply looks like Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Uh, he taught, he healed, he loved, he taught some more, he healed, he loved, uh, he groomed and molded and shaped his 12 disciples to make him look more and more like him. After he taught for a while and after he healed for a while, he paired them out two by two to send them out to do test run teaching and healing and discipling out into different communities. He kind of said, okay, now I've taught you. Now I'm sending you out. So then they came back and he said, okay, what went right? What went wrong? And maybe he sent them out. The Bible actually does show that it, there's a diff different times that Jesus sent out the 12 or the 72 or the 70. So this may have actually happened more than once where Jesus kind of test drove this a little bit. And then they came back and they debriefed and what went right and what didn't wrong. And there was one time where the disciples said, well, how come this, we weren't able to heal like you were? And Jesus said, well, this one takes intense prayer. And so he showed them what that looked like. And then they went out again. And, but I mean, he, it was this back and forth with his disciples until finally he left this earth and he empowered his disciples to now go and make disciples. And that was his last commission. It's like, as you followed me for the last three years, I want you now to go and spread this into the entire world, which they did. Although I, I must say that I don't think we as a church are doing this very, very well. 
Be and the only reason why I say that is that there's some parts of the world where we are actually knocking it out of the ballpark, making disciples, like in African countries, right now in Asian countries. But right here in the United States in the Western world, it seems like the church is going backwards in a massively progressive fashion. And we are losing headway, and we are not, we're not really, really doing a good job of that. So that is, um, that is something to, to consider. So how did Jesus make disciples? Well, first of all, he went out and, and found people. <laughs> so if you'll know about how Jesus did it, he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he saw Peter and his brother Andrew fishing on a boat. And he called out to them and he said, come follow me. Now, these were guys that were making a living fishing. And Jesus said, follow me. And they actually put away their nets. They got out of the boat and they began to follow Jesus. Think of the amazing power that is. That the, the high, oh, what do you want? The high call that Jesus, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, hey, uh, join me next Tuesday and we're going to have an hour together and then uh, we'll, we'll just keep meeting on Tuesdays until you got it all figured out. No, the way Jesus did it was actually quite impressive. He said, you need to make a huge commitment here. You need to actually get out of your boat, stop fishing and say, okay, I trust that what we're going to do together is going to kind of get me through the next period of time. I mean, it was a high, high call to action and they got out of the boat and they spent the next three years with Jesus. That was a that was that was huge. And how do we find people in our world? Well, it's interesting how we find people in our world. The, the, the mainline Protestant church, I guess the church that's that kind of West came out of Western Christianity and then went through the Protestant Reformation, then came over to the United States. We in the United States are very, very have been historically very much a family-driven church, which means that our families are very close-knit. The parents teach the children. Uh, parents, uh, the, the children learn how to live in the parents' household, and then, and then they go off and do things for themselves. So the parents are highly directed in their parents' education. And so we, as a, as a Protestant church, as a mainline Protestant church, that has been the historical way that we teach the teachings of Jesus to the next generation. It's like everybody in our community follows Jesus. So how does that happen? Particularly in the Protestant, you know, at the time of Luther. Well, when you're born, you're born into a family and the head of the household of that family then teaches the words of Jesus and words of scripture. This was kind of how the, how Luther transformed the Europe. It's like, even if you look at Luther's small catechism, it says this catechism is for the head of household to teach the children. So it wasn't the role of the pastor or somebody in the congregation. This truly was the role of the head of the household to teach these spiritual truths to the children. And then they grow and they grow and then they finally go off onto their own. We, we in the Protestant religion have relied heavily, mainline Protestantism has relied heavily on the fact that the teaching of the faith comes from the household. And it works great. It works It works in our household. We, we had children. We taught them the faith. Of course, I'm a pastor. I'm somewhat educated in those sort of things. So I guess I have a head start a little bit. But 
But that's that method was supposed to happen. But where it falls down is that the world is also teaching. So in the world today, for example, we we wake up in the morning and we send our kids to a different organization and we have them teach our children. They're supposed to be teaching science and technology and engineering and math and English, but you can't just teach those subjects because wrapped around those subjects is a whole entire different philosophy of the world around us. And so they're also learning those things in the eight hours that they're in school versus the hours that they're with their parents at home. And sometimes those things conflict. And we have not really done a very, very good job of equipping and teaching our parents on how to teach our children when the things that they're teaching at home are in conflict with the things that they're teaching for the majority of the day in their education system. So that's one problem. And the other problem is, is that we've not been very good in Protestantism to do like Jesus did, because Jesus actually went, found people who had no familiarity at all with what he was going to teach them. I mean, Andrew and, and Peter were in a boat living their life when Jesus called them and said, hey, I want, I'm going to teach you something totally different. And they came and they left and they went and spent time with Jesus. We have not done a very, very good job in the Protestant church because we haven't had a need to, to actually reach out into new cultures and new societies and just grab people and say, listen, we're going to teach you from scratch the basics of the faith. We in the Protestant, mainline Protestant, have mostly, mostly done it with parents to children. That's where our making disciples has historically been. The problem is, is that our parents aren't equipped anymore. There is a philosophy out there that is completely uh, at odds, not completely at odds, but somewhat at odds with the Christian method message. And we've not equipped our parents on how to teach these things. Parents aren't, the, the family units aren't as strong as they used to be historically. And now we're surrounded by a world that doesn't believe or have faith in Jesus. It's 30%, I think, in our community of people that actually go to church on a Sunday morning and try to learn more about Jesus. The remaining 70% of the people in our community actually stay home on Sunday morning and they don't give a thought about Jesus or God, you know, throughout the week. Uh, very, very few of them do. And some of and, and they're craving for spirituality. They're craving, craving for the things of Jesus. And yet we've kind of left them high and dry. And so there is a calling to the church, a huge calling to the church to stop thinking like 100 years ago when we had very, very strong families and very, very well-educated parents to teach the children. We need, to, we need to put that mindset away and we need to have the mindset that there is a philosophy and a system being taught to our children all day long and some of that necessarily isn't very good theology. And we need to understand that and then we need to incorporate that by teaching parents how to train their children in, a, in this system because we can train our parents. These are the things they're learning, but this is what we need to teach. These are the things of Jesus, and we need to activate people who would really, really like to dedicate their life like Peter and Andrew and James and John and actually become, invest an incredible amount of time into the teachings of Jesus and then go out into the world and reach people 
that have never even thought about Jesus and spend time, call them into a relationship with Jesus and teach them for, for a period of time. And it only takes three years. If you, if you want to learn everything about Jesus, he did it in three years. Of course, he was God. But let's say that we just spent a year with people, just training them about the teachings of Jesus. Think of how we could, how we could do that, how we could transform the world. Jesus, said, Jesus went out and found people. Then he taught them for three years and he shepherded them for three years. He was a good pastor, a good shepherd for them. And then he left and he empowered his disciples to do that. So how do we do this as a church? We go out and find people either in families or out in the world. We teach them and then we empower them. And that is what Jesus has called us to do. So I think we'll end it there. So let's close in prayer. Dear Jesus, help us to go and make disciples as you did. Help the church to have the wisdom and the empowerment and the knowledge and the skill set to do this. This we ask in your name.